September. <laughs> Name the band. Earth, Wind and Fire. Earth, Wind and Fire. How very relevant to the Indeed. pod. <laughs> mm. It done. is. It is. Good tune, isn't it, Rob? <laughs> yeah, mate. Enjoy that. And uh, many a good experience on the on the dance floor with that one, I think. Mm. Do you know the lyrics? As well as you do, <laughs> do you remember them? Mm-hmm. You like it? No, it's nice. Um, I actually don't remember them. To be fair, um, good song though, and good month, John. September, lovely month. Yeah, so, lovely month. And it is, and it's it's proving lovely because, of course, we've ended this uh, this heat wave that we've had that has caused all sorts of sort of disruption to natural processes you might say um and we've had several sort of real cloud bursts in the last few days thunder lightning you name it and the grass which has previously been absolutely hay brown is now green again and um the dishes are starting to fill up, the streams are running, and uh, even our local pond has started to look like it's gathering a bit more water, which is essential. So, yes, I'm, I'm very happy with the start of September. Mm, good. Is there a reason why the weather tends to turn in September? Like, what, what, Do you know actually why that happens? I know we're going into a new season, but... Well, yeah, I mean... Sort of, I won't sort of go into the science of it because I will get it wrong. But oh, okay. it's actually it's to do with our the the tilt of the Earth in relation to the Sun, and this is why we we will all have um, longer nights, shorter days, and because of the angle that the Sun strikes, that we also the temperature is going to be going down the average temperature, and uh, so. Yeah, it's going to be, mm. you, you generally, this is, I don't know if you've noticed, we've had quite a few sort of rather lovely misty mornings uh, because the we've got this sort of very uh, humid atmosphere, but because the temperature's gone down a bit, the uh, the water vapour in the air condenses and we get that lovely misty glow. You know, sometimes it just hangs just above the ground or sometimes it's sort of like pretty much becomes fog which is much Mm. sort of like deeper and denser so so yeah so basically temperatures going down and uh daylight levels are or the the daylight length is going to decrease and rob have you been all right in the last couple of days because you're quite scared of thunder and lightning aren't you am i (laughs) i have to say i have remember at uni when i had to to come and comfort you (laughs) 
Mate. No, it's. Uh, I have been woken up a lot by the rain, though, like uh, and the thunder, to be fair. But um, no, I'm quite enjoying it. I was over. I have to say, I was over the heat, and uh, it's been mm. nice running weather, which I've been going out for in the mornings or in the evenings. And actually, mm. it's been humid on a couple of days, but actually, it's uh, no, it's been much nicer. And like you say, the rain has now allowed my grass to sort of get back to glowing green, which is uh, which is nice. <laughs> <laughs> well um go on then seeing as i know you're desperate to why don't you tell us about your running adventures this year why don't you tell us your aim well i think we might have even covered it in one of the new year resolutions episode but mm. basically i'm trying to run a hundred kilometers a month on average but so 1200 kilometers for the year um which yeah so I try and run 100k a month basically um nice. which I've been able to do every month except the month I had covid so um but yeah I'm on track for the for the annual target so um have you worked yeah, no, out enjoying it have you worked out what is 1200 kilometers away from England like where are you going to run to well I worked out because I did a thousand last year and I'm pretty sure a thousand was about Aberdeen but I would need to double check that so 1200 yeah would be somewhere north of that um, nice but no yeah, <laughs> yeah not bad is it but then <laughs> somewhere yeah, over north a year. of Aberdeen yeah but uh, <laughs> but yeah you were my running buddy once upon a time you sort of abandoned me yeah well um I've got a bike now, but I haven't used it. But um, that is my plan for... Well, I've got a ride coming up soon, actually. One of our friends' birthdays. So um, we'll be on the Surrey Hills. And yeah, I'm hoping that that is a new way that I can connect to nature. Um, Get outside on the bike. So that should be good fun. Nice. John, what are you doing post-stop then, exercise-wise? Well, I've got my, my physiotherapy which I'm doing very well. But I've also been using the bike machine um, and I have been out for one bike ride. Uh, I've been swimming twice a week, which has been absolutely fantastic. So I want to thank my lovely friend Amanda for facilitating that. That's been great. And uh, so, and basically, I'm, I think I'm pretty much ready, signed off to sort of shift it up a little bit of a gear now. Um I don't know I I don't want to do jogging just yet because it jars and uh so and I know that only cuz I've had one or two like slips and I've stamped foot down and I felt that go through the old backbone a bit um but I don't think I'm far away from having a little trot round you know do a few k mm. um and uh but my 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 daily steps uh, because I've been doing my access to the countryside, getting out there, enjoying the nature, as we say. Uh, I'm up to over seven and a half uh, thousand steps a day average. So that's all gone in the right direction. Nice. We're fitness influencers, aren't we? Yes, here we are. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Between us, we're a triathlete, I think. Yes. <laughs> Between us, we are I'll a triathlete. I'll probably be the slowest leg. <laughs> people aren't here to uh, listen to our various ways of desperately trying to keep in shape so should we talk about some nature john and start with section one seems a pretty good place to start and rob it is 
getting some sense out of father which we failed to do so far this episode <laughs> um, let's we can keep this really relevant to isn't it, John? keep this relevant <laughs> to health okay and we're okay. going to talk taste now and mm. so i want to talk about an old favorite of mine which is uh elderberry rob so we've mentioned this before because it's got the great name of rob and it's made from elderberries which are a fabulous thing to forage right now uh and it's a fascinating little concoction and i've hope i've sent you both a sample of it so hopefully you might have even have you tried it yet not sure if you've tried it it yeah, I've okay. got it with me to try have live on Have you got yours? Well, if you, you have a little sniff and have a little bit of a swig and and then perhaps in a minute you can tell me what you think. So let's talk a little bit about it. It's um, the elderberry rob has been used, or elderberries, let's say, have been used or there's evidence of their use since the first century um they were sort of recommended by pliny as a, a good cure uh but they they became used an awful lot in the sort of middle ages the 11th or 15th sort of century and uh now about this time we have to remember that the vast majority of the country were illiterate so the concept of recipes was very, very unusual as far as being written down and passed on. The only people who could really uh, read would be uh, royalty, stonemasons and the clergy. And so that brings us neatly round to the people who wrote down one of the earliest recipes known to have been passed on. And that were the monks that, who wrote the recipe for what became known as elderberry rob. And it was slightly different in those days because their preservative for it was honey. And so basically it was elderberries and honey. But what they did identify uh, was that it was a fantastic cure-all for what they called winter ailments or ailments of the lungs. So we're talking uh, things like coughs, colds and the flu. And we got to remember, you know, going back to those days, the monks themselves would have been living in abbeys and monasteries and such like, which would have been sort of, you know, deathly cold and wet and damp. And But most of the population actually would be living in similar situations. The idea of heated, well-insulated houses is sort of very, very alien to them. And so an awful lot of the country would die every year from sort of what winter ailments. And uh, the, the monks recognised that this concoction might be pivotal in, in keeping their health. So, uh, so anyway, their, their, their recipe became superseded um, around about the 17th century with the advent of what we call the sort of spice trade. So particularly cloves but also things like nutmeg and cinnamon and ginger became uh, useful and were revered for their health giving quality Uh, the main one that is used in association with elderberry rob is cloves and uh, so and also of course what the other thing that became available was sugar and uh, sugar's 
sort of use in this capacity was as a preservative and what what you've got in front of you now is that combination of is you know what we we in modern parlance we call it a cordial so you've got elderberries and uh cloves and ginger which is how we've made it for many years so have a swig and tell me what well, let's, you think. let's have a, a snifter then rob yeah. what, what kind of what kind of notes are you getting on the nose <laughs> cloves it smells yeah very strong ginger and elderberries yeah, yeah. <laughs> rob it, it, uh, it smells quite christmasy don't you think yeah it smells like a sort of christmas candle or potpourri or mm. yeah that could nice. be cinnamon good. so should we just take a sip straight from yeah this? straight from the neck okay. um and <laughs> right. how would Salute. you usually consume it well, we always sort of had it as as a cordial. So you you would just drizzle a bit into a, a, a mug and then put a bit of hot water on it. You know that can be your bedtime drink sort of thing. Mm. So it's by no means unpalatable, is it? It tastes as it smells. Yeah. No, it's nice actually. So it's elder nice. has got a slightly cloying sort of uh, fragrance and taste but i think obviously because it's got the spices and the sugar it it becomes quite uh sort of um tasty really it reminds me of the understairs cupboard at home that's probably (laughs) because that's where we keep our elderberry rob (laughs) in amongst all the various homemade weird things in there like Mm. the slow gins and the various blackberry vodkas and all that sort of stuff so yes so a bit of that every morning then to keep away the winter ailments morning or evening you know whatever you like but i think a, a drip feed of it is is the answer and it's and there's plenty of information on the the, the net about this um but it is proven to be an antiviral uh you can buy this stuff uh in sort of most supermarkets and uh does it say elderberry like, rob no it's they they tend to call it um sambucus sort of sambuca <laughs> sambucado black yes. sambuca <laughs> <laughs> and uh and uh, but Wait, how do you spell that then john because that could be very confusing uh Okay, yes, so S A M B U. Every morning. (laughs) (laughs) Don't order it in a pub. Uh, S A M B U C U S. And uh, yeah, so, and it's uh, basically the. How it works is that the extract from the elderberry. uh, At first, I, I was under the impression that it stopped you getting. Things like, you know, the flu, colds, coughs, etc. And then I sort of researched it a bit more and found out actually it's a bit more complex than that. The the extract of the elderberry actually alters the cell lining so that viruses can't actually reproduce or replicate, I should say. Now, what that means is, no, it doesn't stop you getting... Uh, the the various conditions but it can stop it getting worse i you still might get a cold but you'll get over it very quickly uh same with coughs 
and uh and one of my interesting sort of like uh happenings if you like is i did a foraging walk and um there was an ex-gp on this walk who had just retired and i said to him you know that some of the things that i might talk about when we're foraging that might be a bit dubious medically i said please let me know what you think because of course the medical industry is absolutely hamstrung on making many comments about herbal um sort of cures and and such like because they haven't had the same testing procedures so they they can't be seen to uh endorse them so anyway this guy was absolutely fabulous and uh i had I said to him what I'd learnt about it and he said well actually yes no that is right um they don't in the medical industry deal with the raw product they they the first thing they will ever do on getting a plant product is synthesize it and work on the active ingredients synthetically so that's one thing but he said that actually he said you know there's been a lot of research on this sort of uh technology where you stop cells replicating because they were using exactly the same technology now uh, to uh, try and find ways of stopping brain tumours, the cancer cells in a brain tumour, um, replicating because quite often, because of their position, they're, they're inoperable. And so this sort of technology, if you can get, uh, if you can get something to it, and it's obviously not necessarily going to be um, elder, uh, extract but if you can get uh something to a tumor that stops it growing then technically you might not need to operate on it and uh so i, I was delighted sort of with that sort of outcome and um and it's it's just nice to know that it's something which has been you know it's got several centuries of use and backing and obviously if we cast our if we cast the, the sort of timeline right back, the monks, etc., who might have been endorsing it sort of in the Middle Ages, they didn't know why it worked, but they just knew it worked. I guess you might have a similar analogy with, you know, indigenous people who still live a fairly sort of, you know, indigenous lifestyle. They would use an awful lot of, um, you know, let's say, rainforest products stuff like that but they won't know why they work but they they, it's been handed down uh, over so many generations that they just know that's their medicine so when when in the year do you start taking it john around about now or do you take it year round yeah i'd probably i would probably not take it just yet i I tend to think sort of myself when the clocks go back tends to be a good time uh, because I think some people's behaviours tend to change when the clocks go back mm. uh, because we, we're we very sort of light-driven, as you might call it, and uh, we suddenly miss that hour when the clocks go back and uh, it's the, the clocks are going back anyway. And so I think we tend to then become a little bit maybe more sedentary, maybe a little bit more living in interior and uh, and maybe just not being quite so healthy as we were and of course the atmosphere is damper and colder and so that might well make us more vulnerable to coughs and colds etc so i i wouldn't i'm not taking it yet but i'll certainly start taking it come the end of october okay 
No, it tastes really nice. Mm. Good. Thank you very much. So, I mean, I think actually on my website, johnnytaylor.com, uh, there's if you scroll down on 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 it, you'll you'll find there is a, a simple recipe, but it's this is very well known this isn't like me coming up with something brand new this is just something i happen to have used for a long time and i i think it's a it's a lovely thing it's a lovely thing to forage it's a lovely thing to make if you haven't got time to make it now just pick the berries and throw them in the freezer and make them you know when you've got a bit more time uh it's it's nice and easy to forage it's very plentiful grows like a weed most places and uh and it's if it sort of works and it's tasty that's that's a bonus isn't it mm. very good um right john did you want to move on from taste uh well actually whilst we were talking tastes um i've been following the the sort of progress of uh robbie's tomatoes and i wanted a mm. to say congratulations it looks a fantastic you know success that you've had so all credit to you um yeah. but if we if we sort of think back to when we were talking about sowing seeds and maybe saying things to yourself growing your own we were thinking to ourselves well sort of the the, the idea is sort of you know with the father nature thing is you it's a way of connecting to nature and i wanted to know rob sort of like you know it's it's been a while now since you you put your tender loving care into sowing those seeds and now you're you're reaping the harvest and he's gone fantastically why is it different from you going down to your supermarket and buying some tomatoes yeah, it's hard to put into words, really. It like, is, yeah. It's definitely... I don't know, A, the taste of them, I just think, is better. Like, they, yeah. to me, taste sweeter than the <laughs> tomatoes that I get in the shops. The skin is softer in a nice way. Like, the taste yeah. is lovely. But I think with what I've really enjoyed is... And it's probably because I planted far too many is just enjoying sharing it. Like, oh, I've, that's cool, like, yeah. Like, I've been to... Um, you know, I've been to, when I've been to friends or family, like where we've just got so many, like I've been taking a bag round, like mm. I've made jams and I've given my sister a pot of jam, like yeah. which has just been really nice. I've enjoyed that mm. side of it as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, the uh, when I think back at like it has been, well, it's yeah, it's crazy because where I'm sitting now, like the desk, is where I had the tray of seedlings and I like, literally planted them here until they're until they sprouted and now when i look outside they're obviously such big plants um and no i have really enjoyed the journey and like i'm much better equipped now to do it again next year but with different like i'm already starting to think about what i might grow as well next year because yeah obviously as i this has been the first time i've um been growing any of my own veg like been kitting myself Mm. out along the way so like have the the sort of um the greenhouse outdoors now i've got all the different size pots and the different equipment and so um just collecting that and sort of adding to that throughout the Mm. year has been nice as well so um no growing like moving on to other vegetables and fruits feels a lot less daunting for next year so yeah definitely going to take the time to plan over winter what i want to what i want to do next year because um no it's been great fun 
Oh, that's good. I mean, yeah, I mean, that, and that's the reason I, why I ask, because it is, it's quite difficult to put into words. And you think to yourself, well, you know, when, when, when we're first talking about it, actually, you might not enjoy it. And it, it, it might not. I mean, you've nurtured a, a living plant and you've watched it sort of make sort of shoots and green leaves and then flower buds and then flowers and then you've seen the flowers I, turn to fruits and you've watched them ripen all those lovely lovely yeah. <laughs> um uh sort of processes and you've seen it on like a daily thing which is my way of sort of saying to people try and look at nature like that and mm. i think when you grow your own it helps you think that what you've done is you, you've seen what essentially close up what plants do because all the wild plants and the trees do very similar as well and uh it's it's great to watch them doing it but no i'm really glad you've enjoyed it and i i can tell you've enjoyed it and like when you give your tomatoes and tomato products and stuff away i know that maybe a few other people will think i wouldn't mind having a go at that myself yeah i think so yeah. and it's definitely like given me the confidence to go on and do yeah like i say different things next year like Brilliant. obviously i did try and grow lettuce as well from from the mm. outset but didn't have much success with that but so i'll give no. that another go next year but no yeah. the tomatoes i i didn't yeah it's been a great success like all and to be fair all along i would wondered if they would ever actually give me fruit because i feel like i was late to put them outside and repot them into their final pots so i did wonder yeah. whether they'd give me much but they've given me so much like yeah. i reckon i've probably had upwards of four kilos of tomatoes over the last Amazing. few weeks like i'm collecting a full colander probably every like three days um <laughs> so i've had to give them away but but yeah one of the people i uh, was able to share the goodness with was was our own jasper so um he tried them in both i know exactly (laughs) tried them in both uh raw form and as the jam yeah Mm. yeah delicious good (laughs) thank you for that rob what i wanted to do next was something that we're gonna hear okay so are you ready for a sound yep okay right listen up this is going from something soft sweet and gorgeous to something rather sort of like Harsh. Any ideas? Mm, it sounds like a crow. Ah, oh, well done. Yeah, well, it is a member of the crow family. Um, mm. It's the most colourful member of the crow family. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Did you say something stupid again? Um, It's the J. Okay. Now, I want you to try and remember that noise because the J's are making a real din at the moment. And over the next month, they're going to probably be at their most uh, visual as well because as soon as the acorns uh, become ripe... Uh, they start to collect them with the idea of caching them for a winter store of food. And uh, they, 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 so basically the territories kind of fall down, but they, they keep coming across each other and they, they're quite harsh towards each other. They don't like predators. They'll, they'll make that 
harsh sound against everything else that they see and so you'll see it a lot um their name actually garrulous i think it's gland glandiaris or something and that means the gathering uh sorry the chattering acorn gatherer so what they do now is they they start collecting acorns and they've got a special gullet i.e. not as far as their crop, which is where food goes, but like a throat bag. And they can actually fit three or four acorns into their gullet, as well as one in their bill. And then they will fly away from the oak tree and they will actually bury it in a nice grassy area. So you might see them on your lawn. You might see them on recreation grounds, on road verges and things like that and they will work at this i mean they will eat some along the way but they will work at this so hard that they will bury you know quite easily a thousand to two thousand a week and this will carry on until the acorns one j yeah and when you think about an oak tree with its its crop of acorns you think well look how heavy they are they're only ever going to fall underneath that tree well an oak tree doesn't want loads of oak seedlings right underneath it because those seedlings won't do well because they need light so you get something like a jay who can just transport them away and bury them in the open and that means that you know let's say for every sort of well i don't know i haven't got a clue i'm plucking it out of the out the bad but let's say for every hundred acorns that they bury they might lose or not get round to finding a dozen of them and of course they're planted they will grow and that's why quite often when you're walking around fields even though they might be fields for pasture and things like that you get acorns coming out in sort of bizarre areas where you think well it's not anywhere close to an oak tree it's because these guys have been uh distributing them and uh they're great to watch they're a beautiful color jays they got the most incredible sort of almost um sort of iridescent blue wing patches and a lovely peachy color um they're, they're just all around gorgeous things to watch so that's my thing that i'd like you to, to listen out for very active in towns as well as in sort of rural areas so you know, you, you won't have any difficulty picking them up. So mm. have a look for them and uh, and think to yourself how sort of marvellous nature is at seed dispersal because <laughs> that's what they're doing. Are they burying them with the hope of, um, like what, what's in it for them? It, it's a winter supply. So basically so they they're removing them. it from the competition. Squirrels will do the same. Um, not to quite such a uh, an extent. And of course, squirrels will also rob jays uh, if they come across their hidden cache. Um, I mean, it's incredible how they do remember where they where they actually bury them. But it's um, but likewise. So let's say for the whole of October. Um, sorry, for the whole of September and a, a fair bit of October, you're going to see. Um, the the jays taking the acorns and burying them thereafter 
you'll find jays hopping around because they hop rather than walk. You'll find them hopping around in the grassland, right out in the open, trying to find their acorns again. And then they'll they'll pick them up. They generally give them a good pecking because there's a hard outer casing on a acorn, and uh, and take the the high protein and high in oil um, kernel which is inside the acorn. Mm. Rob, how many acorns do you think you could fit in your throat bag? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, <clears throat> if it's anything like Maltesers, I would say <laughs> 30. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> no. <laughs> Mate, you'd make a great J. <laughs> but I think do you remember when um when you came round and we recorded a pod here I'm sure I've got like a sprouting oak in my garden Yeah it wouldn't surprise me and yeah. it's like I think you told me to get rid of it because the roots can be um quite troublesome but I haven't yeah, done you that wouldn't, they're you probably don't necessarily house, want an oak growing very close to a building <laughs> um because they, they, they will carry on growing into a magnificent tree, given the chance. This is and right uh, by my kitchen and my adjoining neighbour's yeah, kitchen. Not the right place for it. <laughs> so. right. <laughs> Have you got anything else for us then, John? Yes, I've got um, a couple of things to see, um, mm. one of which you will also hear. Uh, so where do we go first? Actually, I want to uh, give a shout out to my friend, another Naomi, uh, for bringing my attention to the fact that spiders are coming back into the houses. And uh, I was thinking about this, actually, because um, there's people are funny with spiders. They, they seem I mean, we're all funny with what we call creepy crawlies and uh, we can all be a bit funny with insects and bugs and this that and the other now spiders of course aren't insects they're they're arachnids they've got eight legs and they're sometimes a bit hairy but there's a a huge number of different species and they are pretty fascinating uh and they do they do come into build uh buildings but only certain varieties and what they're doing is they're looking for shelter because they overwinter it's not quite in a hibernated state but it is in a state of what you call torpor and uh i don't know too much about this so don't ask me any questions but uh they they have a level of um i think it's glycogen in their blood which is like an antifreeze and so they can uh they they can tolerate quite low temperatures without actually dying i mean but basically what what will kill uh any animal that gets frozen is broken cells and so if if ice with it's like frostbite what what causes frostbite is the cells of your flesh actually explode because the uh, the ice forming within them or the the freezing process causes them to expand and so that that's obviously quite a few insects and and things if they get completely frozen they they will be too damaged uh so spiders uh have this sort of uh glycogen and uh so they can 
they can stand lower temperatures. I mean, we're, we're not talking minus 20 here. We're just talking like a couple of degrees of frost or so. And they will choose things like sheds and stuff like that to go torpid. Now, the other uh, sort of, not complication, but the other thing they will do is uh, they, they mate and lay their eggs in autumn time a lot of times and what this basically means is that they will stay with their egg sacs uh, over winter now if that's in the corner of a your living room and you can put up with it it's actually fine because they won't do you any harm Um, and also during this this time when they're 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 very still they will barely eat you know they they might have a fly a month or something crazy like that just sort of opportunistically but they literally stay still and they will wait for the right time for their their i think that the young are actually called spiderlings and uh and they wait for them to hatch and then they go through several instars and uh some spiders look after their young and some just let them hatch and they go on their way but um, they're they're quite an interesting thing, spiders. It, it's, it doesn't do them any harm to put them out if you don't like spiders. I would say look at them and see what different varieties you can get. I mean, the usual way of catching them is to put a glass over them and just slide a piece of paper slowly across the surface that they're on. And then, hey, presto, you've got it in your glass. And pop it down, you know, back of a shed or something like that. And um, they'll go on to sort of you know hopefully survive the winter Mm. it's funny you say that because twice in the last week i've gone down to the kitchen in the morning and there's been a huge spider in the sink and i've never seen it before like it's not in that kitchen anyway but like um and i for one hate spiders i'm one of those people so it's been an unwelcome uh first sight of the morning spiders don't come up the plug hole Okay, some people think oh, it was in the bath or it was in the sink. Is this that and the other? It must have come out the plug hole. They don't do that. They don't swim well. They don't go through water. They won't go through the pipes. Um, and if you do flush them down the pipes, they will drown. Um, but they can crawl over all sorts of areas. And a lot of spiders, uh, using their silk, which is an amazing, incredible thing that they produce, size for size, stronger than steel and they can throw it out of the little um, organs on their backsides, which are called spinnerets. They just produce this silk, and they can literally parachute and just be blown in the wind. So, you know, they'd like to distribute themselves. They need to distribute themselves, find somewhere safe, find somewhere where their sort of, like, glycol levels are going to be sufficient to see them through winter, and then tuck themselves up for for bed but on the a lot of people so let's face it spiders are venomous they i think they nearly all feed on other insects and to kill those insects they will generally bite them and uh and inject venom from their fangs which will paralyze them they'll either just eat them or wrap them up in silk to store to eat but just please remember those fangs are not strong enough to pierce human skin there is a couple of slight uh, uh sort of like um 
caveats to that and that is a, a spider an imported spider called the false willow uh, beg your pardon the false widow and uh that has been known to puncture skin and will produce a little bit of a reaction especially if it's young tender skin you know on kids or if it's on you know nice soft skin like you might have on your neck or something like that maybe i shouldn't have said that and sounds sounds even more <laughs> alarming mm-hmm. but most even the big garden spiders and the thick bodied ones that you think are going to pack a real punch they can't penetrate your skin so they they won't try and bite that's comforting rob you're chugging away on your elderberry rob i'm really enjoying the elderberry it's supposed to last all winter is it oh no you need to make yourself mm. a whole bottle of it yeah well Mm. no i'm very much enjoying it good Good. Well, at least let it last until the end of this episode. Um, <laughs> right then, John. So uh, that's spiders. Anything else to uh, creep out our listeners with, or is that it for yes. the senses? You've, mm. you've you've hit it perfectly. This will creep you out, um, and this is something that we will see. And uh, they won't be around for long. I'll explain why but they've got a distinct sound. So I'll just give you a quick blast of this and you'll hear it's not like usual. The didgeridoo. So you got hear recording how of me mowing the lawn, John. Exactly. That, that's not exactly your, your humble housefly. It's not even your wispy wasp, but it's a very close relative, and there's been a lot seen of late. We've had a, a, a huge amount in uh, our village, and that's hornets. So um, mm. the hornet is a member of the wasp family, and uh, they can sting, and when they sting, uh, apparently it's really, really painful because they're probably Savage. four times the size of a wasp, They've got a very similar process of stinging. So if we remember, we've talked about honeybees. When they sting, they can only sting once. That sting stays with you and the the uh, poison sac empties its venom into you. With a wasp or a hornet, they can sting you continually. Now, hornets are actually known for being quite docile and they have a very similar life cycle to wasps. Uh, they They tend to nest in... Uh, hollow trees they build a nest just like a wasp very papery full of cells Uh, the first batch of eggs that will hatch out in springtime just like a wasp are all sterile females and they're the workers Uh, they can all sting and uh, but they concentrate on rear the queen carries on just laying eggs and the workers just concentrate on hatching out uh, more hornets and they a, a huge number of other insects they're probably slightly more predatory than the wasp as well as a lot of nectar and uh, then uh, in the autumn time they rear uh, or slightly earlier than autumn in the late summer they rear uh, some females which are actually fertile and some males and so they will mate and then the mated females all they're interested in and this is why we're seeing a lot now uh is essentially stocking up their energy supply and they get a lot of that from nectar 
Uh, I've seen them. I've got a lovely photograph, actually, that I took uh, at Winkworth of uh, females, uh, sorry, of hornets just literally feeding on sap running out of a, a tree that had been bashed. And, um, and they're basically taking on board as much energy as they can because in a few weeks' time, when the temperature goes down a bit more, they're going to be going into hibernation, same as the wasps. But if you have got a hornet's nest near you, don't fret too much. Don't go. You don't need to start getting the uh, pest control sort of dudes out to deal with them because within a few weeks they will all be dead other than the fertilised queens and they will be hibernating somewhere discreet. So uh, they are a bit intimidating. I go out sort of every night with the, the, the dog for the last way on the lawn and I take a torch with me and I shine it in my pond and have a look round at all the night wildlife in the garden and hornets are rather attracted to light so I've had more than my fair share of sort of that deep buzzing around me thinking actually I don't fancy it myself <laughs> and uh, so I turn my torch off and go back indoors uh, so um, but they're, they're amazing creatures they're fascinating um learn a bit more about them uh and uh sort of if you don't enjoy their company don't fret they won't be around for very long hi guys unfortunately my wi-fi dropped out at this point you will hear me pop up again at the end of the episode but until then i will leave you in the capable hands of father and rob who both did well a rather annoyingly good job without me actually just one thing to add, Father talks about going out for walks in the evenings and when it's dark. If you are going to, please make sure to do so safely and preferably go out with a friend. Okay, enjoy the rest of the episode. Moving on to section two, which is, of course, what's in Father's diary this month? Right, well, we've got an exciting month coming up. Um... Of course, I'm free of my sort of like, you know, uh, excuses not to do things because I'm a bad <laughs> back and all that now. So now I'm free. I've got stuff booked in and stuff. And I've got uh, we've got on the 23rd is the autumn equinox. Always an exciting time. And so uh, daylight length equals uh, a nighttime length at this time. And uh, so... so various sort of like sort of pagan faiths know this date as Maybon and uh, so we have spoken about this in another podcast so I, we won't actually need to repeat that now I mean other than say it's one of the, the many sort of um, uh, harvest festivals um, but what I was going to say is that I've been asked to lead a walk for um, a local druid group uh, to mark this occasion, which I'm really looking forward to. Um, Druidry is um, is a very nature-based religion. It's uh, sort of an ancient Celtic religion. Uh, there's a lot of sort of what you might call pagan religions, and I think Druidry is probably one of the ones that was slightly more, uh, for want of a better word, organised and articulate. The Romans particularly didn't like uh, druids, they felt quite threatened by it uh, because they the uh, the druid leaders were considered uh, basically very intelligent, and um, I 
I'm looking forward to the uh, the walk immensely because I'm going to be learning, you know, as much from them as they ever will from me. I'm basically being being uh, doing the foraging side of things, and uh, I'll learn a lot more about uh, their faith uh, as we go along. But I know Druidry is basically split into sort of what you might call three sections of sort of. I guess followers. Uh, you have your bards, which are very interested in music and song and storytelling, and you have the ovates, uh, which were the healers and you know seers, predictors, and then you have the the sort of druids themselves, which were philosophers, judges, teachers. What you might, for want of a better word, call uh, academics, and. Uh, so I believe the ritual that uh, we will be undertaking is called the Auburn Elford ritual. And it marks that balance of day and night uh, just before the, the darkness essentially starts to win out over the, the light for a few months. And uh, it's, of course, during this time, as as you know we've been mentioning there's a lot of forageables about and so it kind of gives thanks it's a kind of uh thank you to mother earth for the the offerings of what you might call the natural harvest uh so all of the farmed things tend to be in by now and uh so we're, we're looking at nature for her bounty now and uh so essentially yeah i'm really looking forward to that and uh, they, the actual equinox is on the 23rd. And uh, nice. so that's in my diary. And another event which I'm really looking forward to, and I want to give a shout-out to uh, a good friend of mine, uh, Stephen Fry, who's uh, <laughs> a good friend of the whole family, actually. Uh, Jasper will know him well. He's produced a wonderful book called Our Accidental Letters, and it's essentially based Steve is passionate about the countryside and uh he has based this book on the letters that he would write to his nieces and nephews about his adventures in the countryside and his observations and there's some the very factual stuff and there's some stuff which asks questions and is very imaginative and it's a sort of lovely thing which i think well sort of you know if little jasper was a, a little boy i could read him this book it's a good mm. bedtime book it's, it's lovely stuff it's really important that we keep inspiring young people from the the, the word go just to get the most out of nature you know it's definitely you don't even need to think of it from nature's sake think of it from the young people's sake because we can get so much enjoyment from stuff that's all around us and is free to access uh now i i just helped steve a little bit with this i pretty much gave it a proofread um but he's invited me to his book launch uh, which is in hazelmere on the 18th of september uh if if anyone wants to know more contact me on uh, johnnytaylor.com and uh i can tell you all about it but um i'm i'm really looking forward to that i'm looking forward to congratulating steve on sort of you know just producing a wonderful book and did you say his name was stephen fry yes 
But it's and but it's not the Stephen Fry. No, lovely guy, uh, um, nice, a, a local chap. He's he's not a writer by profession. Um, he's he's a very keen countryman. He loves his. Uh, dogs and his angling and uh he's also a very keen cricketer and of course jasper and i have known him as much through the cricket over the years as, as anything else and um but yes he's he's actually managed to get time sort of to cobble together all these wonderful experiences of his yeah. and uh and write them down and then i think he was prompted to you know by people who read them and said this is too good just to be read by your family. This other people will be interested yeah, in this, and all the proceeds from this uh, book are going to uh, charity. So it's it's a fabulous thing to support. I think I think the books, I think it's only a tenner, which is a is a giveaway. But um, Teenage Cancer Trust and it's one of the Owl charities. I, I can't remember if it's the Suffolk Owl Charity or Norfolk, something like that. But anyway. You, if if people look it up or it's got its own website our accidental letters so type that in if you're interested we'll move on to section three which is of course what on earth is father doing this month right so uh i as i said i think at the end of the last uh podcast i was intending to do a few evening walks and we were looking then at the roe deer um uh rut and so i did do uh some of those and they were fantastic and we went and watched uh roe deer one evening i did actually uh bring up the subject which i know is close to a lot of people's hearts of the winter blues now the winter blues is or sad uh as it's sort of more technically known in, in medical circles um affects an awful lot of people in this country and i won't say too much about it now we have covered it before but it's such an important thing it's about looking after your mental health uh through the winter months when you could feel a lot more vulnerable a lot of it is put down to light levels activities that can help you get through it etc and so that got me thinking right i I really want to think about this. I'm going to uh, carry on with this sort of hopeful habit of evening walks, even if it's twilight, even if it's dark, but keep that habit going. And um, and uh, we'll do something about that probably in the next podcast. And, uh, and the other thing, of course, is one thing we've uh, spoken about. I'll just throw that word in. I know we're pushed for time, but photoperiodism where especially mammals uh, react to uh, light levels and by the end of this month we're going to be seeing the fallow deer in rut and so I will definitely be getting out to uh, check out the fallow deer and, uh, and see how their season is going too Can you hear me yet? I can hear yes. you now Oh, you're joking! At the end of the episode, yeah, well done. <laughs> I've got. I had so much to say as well. Welcome back. <laughs> mm. Well, we'll have to wait until October. Yes. <laughs> well, I think Rob did a sterling job. 
<laughs> Am I needed in October? That's the question. <laughs> uh, right, thanks then, Rob, for filling in. Um, yeah. And thank you, John and Rob, as ever. And thank I'm you. very happy that I've made it back in time uh, to remind our listeners to enjoy the nature. <laughs> <laughs> enjoy the nature. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, guys. Yeah. And subscribe on, and tell, sort of like. Tell us. Tell us what? <laughs> tell us. To enjoy message. the nature. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say also subscribe and, uh, and you know, get some other people to listen to the podcast. Send in your yeah. uh, inquiries and uh, photos. Check us out on Instagram. Right. See you next month. Thank you. Cheers, all. Bye.